Welcome to Two Open Doors, the podcast that explores our power to open or close the doors of relationship with the important people in our lives. We hope you'll learn from and share your wisdom with our community. Thanks for joining us. Up to this point, the Two Open Doors podcast has been exploring the foundations of deep human connections. Relationship can seem like a pretty abstract concept. Associated terms such as intimacy are multifaceted and wide-ranging. Other aspects of human relationships, such as our physical connections, can seem much more concrete and tangible. In this post, we'll explore the reality that each person is a multitude, in that their human experiences are a multi-layered thing. Some people see humans as embodied spirits, to suggest that our bodies are a sort of vessel for our minds, emotions, and spirit. Others are less inclined to see people as spiritual beings. They prefer to see our bodies as the sum total of our existence. Even those in that camp, though, are quick to admit that we all have an inner life that revolves around our thoughts and emotions. There's more to us than just a physical wrapper. Let's dive into this view of human relationship as a multifaceted, multidimensional thing. To do so, I'd like to capture some highlights from the Emotional, Mental, Physiological, or EMP model of the human sexual response cycle, which I developed as part of my doctoral dissertation in sexology. While I created EMP as a framework for describing the many factors that play into human sexuality, it is more broadly a framework for understanding deep human connections, of which sexuality is of course only one aspect. We humans traverse a specific cycle of steps or stages in the course of a sexual experience. These stages can be described as the progressive steps in a human sexual response cycle. Of course, this cycle supports extensive flexibility. It's likely that no two people traverse the SRC in exactly the same way. And in fact, a given individual probably takes somewhat different paths through the cycle at different times and under different circumstances. The EMP model includes a set of internal, that is, within the person, states that an individual transitions through in the course of a sexual response cycle. In a diagram of how EMP operates, a time arrow indicates that flow through the states occurs from left to right, were it to be diagrammed. In addition, the states are partitioned across three different levels or tiers of experience a physiological or physical level, which is what's happening in one's body, an emotional level, what's happening within one's emotive subsystem, and a mental level, the thoughts or conscious contents that are occurring within one's mind. As an important distinction, emotions are subconsciously induced and may not rise to the level of consciousness, while in contrast, feelings are the conscious mental images of emotions. Emotions thus operate within the emotional tier of the diagram, while feelings occur within the mental tier. Note that this description of the EMP model is greatly simplified from the detailed model, which was the subject of much research and a 200-page dissertation. Still, the preceding description conveys the gist of how the EMP model operates. When a state within the model becomes active, it can contribute toward the activation or deactivation of states at both the same and other levels. As a concrete example, one's beliefs and feelings about sexual situations, which of course occur on the mental and emotional levels, can strongly affect whether arousal builds or diminishes on the physiological level. 
worries, or distractions can have the same effect. The central goal of the EMP model is to clearly show that sexual expression is far from just a matter of sensations, hydraulics, and muscular contractions. It is a full being experience in which our mental and emotional state is at least as important as the sensory cues and sensations that we receive. So why might this EMP model be helpful? In our Western culture, we often tend to approach relationship in a mechanistic way, if only we perform certain behaviors in a prescribed way, and by the right life enhancement products, our path to rewarding human relationships will be clear and smooth. Of course, that isn't the case at all. If anything, focusing ourselves on stuff can distract us from the truly important business of building trust, desire, and substantial connections. Returning to the EMP model, we see that it can provide us with a roadmap for systematically exploring the three main modes of expression for relationship, that is, the sensual, sexual, and intimacy levels. Two Open Doors is dedicated to exploring all aspects of human deep connection, so having a map and compass such as EMP will serve us well. In the course of that exploration, we'll of course cover emotional intimacy, but also the often taboo subjects of sensuality and sexuality. To Open Doors posts and podcast episodes will be clearly labeled if and when they contain adult content. Our conversation will be factual and frank, though by design not explicit in the sense used by content censors. Let's turn then to the physiology of sensuality. As we've seen, there are neurobiological mechanisms at play in the development of human attachment. Similarly, there are neural mechanisms that underlie human sensual and sexual behavior. To start with the sensual, it's plain that pleasant sensations of any sort are rewarding. They can trigger the release of the hormone dopamine in our limbic system. That release can serve to set the memory of the pleasant or unpleasant sensation and its emotional valence, that is, whether it's good or bad. We can thus learn to value and thus pursue the circumstances that bring us pleasant sensations. Sensation is affected by our general state of arousal, active versus drowsy versus asleep, as well as by our attention mechanism. As we've all experienced, a pleasant or painful experience can be intensified if our attention is drawn to it and we then concentrate on it. That fact can be an annoyance when we have a tiny but painful splinter in a finger, and we focus our attention on that sensation. Sensation is also affected by our state of mind. Whatever attitudes, beliefs, and emotional state might be associated with the sensory circumstances. What's present in our thought processes is not raw sensations or sensory inputs, but rather our perceptions or interpretations of those inputs. How we interpret that raw input for example, the contents of, of a visual scene, depends on our internal state at the time the input is received. Think sensation plus internal state or filters equals perception. This brief consideration of the nature of sensuality is sufficient to show how flexible and variable sensations can be. Being a good physical relationship partner with someone requires an understanding of how sensations work, an ability and willingness to attune to sensations, and all of the mental processes that let a person determine which sensations are desired and appreciated by a partner. Let's turn now to the physiology of sex. At the level of physiology, 
a person can experience a variety of physical states. These range from a neutral state of being sexually unaroused through a state of becoming physically excited, that is, sensually sensitized, and with tumescence or swelling of some organs due to blood flow, through a potential orgasmic state, and then on to a post-orgasmic or detumescent stage. Both men and women experience sexual libido, which is drive or appetite, to varying degrees and in varying circumstances. Interestingly, arousal can occur even without conscious decision or even awareness. This arousal non-concordance, as it's referred to, reflects the fact that our sexual arousal is partially driven by subconscious factors, such as the pleasing proportions of an observed male or female figure. Such stimuli are sufficient to trigger an emotional response, which can then promote or dampen further arousal. In addition, though, arousal can grow because of conscious decisions or consciously perceived stimuli. That provides a top-down pathway of influence from our mental processes to our physiological processes. Top-down factors can strongly influence one's physiological sexual state. For example, the occurrence of a negative emotional reaction to a partner or his or her actions may be sufficient to quash the growth of arousal. That demonstrates top-down influence of the emotional layer over the physiological layer. Similarly, personal beliefs about how sex should occur can affect how receptive or unreceptive one is to arousal. To use a somewhat pathological example, a person's belief that, quote, good girls don't do that, or that, quote, guys will be guys, can affect arousal. This is an example of top-down influence of the mental layer over the physiological layer. There's a very insightful theory about the interactions between the mental and physiological levels. It's called the dual control model of sexual response, developed by Dr. John Bancroft and Dr. Eric Johnson in the late 1990s. That theory proposes that the human cortex, our most evolutionarily advanced brain region, exerts a mostly negative, that is, inhibitory or damping, effect over arousal, while subcortical brain areas, such as the amygdala and hypothalamus, provide a positive sexual drive. Our brain's higher centers thus serve largely as a parking brake over sexual excitation, while subcortical brain centers act as the gas pedal. So what sorts of things does the EMP model suggest at the physiological level? Well, it provides some useful insights into how we can manage the physiology-level functioning of our sensuality and sexuality. We can draw the following conclusions regarding how our physiological layer operates. First, our libido, or sex drive, reflects a testosterone-driven appetite whose intensity varies between people. Next, arousal can occur below the level of our conscious awareness, sometimes resulting in surprising arousal non-concordance between our felt state and our actual physical response. This occurs in the emotional layer. Third, our emotional processing level can promote growing arousal through pleasure-based learned associations, and it can reduce arousal through pain-based learned associations. And fourth, our mental level, in which beliefs, attitudes, and feelings are processed, can likewise affect arousal through the emotional layer's learned associations with pleasure and pain. The mental layer includes processes through which desire, 
and physical receptiveness compete against aversion or lack of desire. So looking ahead a bit, in our next episodes, we'll examine how the emotional and mental layers of our sensual sexual control system work. That will give us some insights into how emotion and cognition play into our deep relationships. Stay tuned for that. To learn more about Two Open Doors and to engage with our community, I'd like to invite you to visit the Two Open Doors website at twoopendoors.com and the Two Open Doors Facebook group. Finally, I invite you to contact me directly by writing to me at claude at twoopendoors.com. I'd love to hear from you, and I'll use your inputs to guide my work on future podcasts and blog posts. Thanks so much for visiting Two Open Doors.